On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the fact that we become what we worship on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And today I want to talk to you about, in, in part five of this idolatry series, on the fact that we become what we worship. And uh, this is something that is a fact that whatever you hang out with the most, whatever you put your energy in the most, you tend to become like and act like it. So today, part five is, is we become what we worship on this series on idolatry. And I'm going to start out with a quote today from, uh, from uh, J.A. Beale. Um, I think it's J.A. Beale. Let me try to find it for you here. Um, it's G, uh, rather G.K. Beale who says this. He says, what you, re- what you revere, you resemble either for ruin or restoration. And there are two scriptures I want to run by you that, that are kind of speak to this idea because idolatry is the oldest issue we all have as human beings. And that is in, in 2 Kings 17, 15, where it says, they despise the statutes, meaning God, and his covenant that he made with their ancestors, and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. They followed the nations and that were around them and concerning whom the Lord had commanded them and that, uh, that they should not do as they did. Then Hosea 8-9 says, Like grapes in the wilderness I found Israel, and like the first fruit of a fig tree in, 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 in its first season, I saw your ancestors, but they came to Baal Peor, and th- that was a place where, where there was Baal worship, right? And consecrated themselves to a thing of shame, and here's the, here's the key, and became detestable like the thing that they loved. And that is the heart of, of, of what I want to share today, that we become whatever we love. If we love... Uh, the most horrible thing in the world, we will become like that thing. And uh, and we find that when we speak of, of, of idolatry in the scriptures, uh, we've talked about in the series so far that idolatry is something that uh, that inverts the image of God in us, it, like like when an umbrella opens up backwards, right? And it, and it flips backwards, or you wear a shirt backwards, so you invert it. So, but I want to, talk about this aspect today uh, of the idea that we, whatever we reflect is telling, you know, whatever we reflect is telling of us. It shows us where we're at uh, as people. And we were created as reflective beings. It is a fact that we uh, humans imitate one another. People tend to reflect the people that they hang out with, right? Children reflect their parents. Best friends reflect each other by, by the way they laugh. And, um, Ambassadors reflect their governments, and flags reflect their country's identity. Um, uh, the point is, is that we, we tend to reflect whatever it is we love. And let me just adjust one of my lights here, but um, let me just say that what or whom we reflect is telling, right? So we were created to reflect the glory of our Creator, God. And in Genesis 1, God created humans to be His image in the world, not as his image, but we are his image. In other words, when he looks to see what he looks like, he looks at hum- humanity. And, and that's why I, I like Richard Lintz's version of it. Uh, he's a theologian who wrote about this. Let us make man as our image. 
So what we are near, we tend to reflect. And often people who encountered God in the Bible reflected God. They reflected his light like Moses, right? When he came down from the mountain, he reflected God's light. And there's something in the in the uh, ironic blessing in the scriptures that talk about the idea, this very idea, when it says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And this again is, is the idea that we are reflective beings. And then there's another one in one of the Psalms that goes something like this. Uh, Psalm 34, 5, Look to him and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. And we find that what we devote ourselves to, we, we tend to naturally reflect. And, and that, is, that is a serious thing. Uh, somebody put it this way, all humans have been created to be reflective beings and they will reflect whatever they are ultimately committed to. Uh, whether the true God or some other object in the created order. And so we become, what, and we, ref, we reflect whatever we're committed to. And it's impossible to be committed to something or someone else without reflecting them. And we find, you know, you might ask a question, well, how, how, do you, how, how does that happen? How, how, do we become, how do we become what we worship? First is this, we make a trade or an exchange. You might have heard the, the, the term uh, a Faustian exchange, you know, Faust exchanged his soul, right, for, for something, I think it was knowledge, or something. I can't remember. But, um, a dark exchange takes place between God's glory and something horribly inferior whenever we choose to worship something else because we were made to reflect God. And Psalm 106 uh, says it in, in this manner. It says, They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. In other words, when Israel strayed away from God, they worshipped idols that were created to look like animals. And, and that was an insult to God, an insult to the way they were created. And think about Adam in the garden, his shift from trusting God to trusting the serpent was more than just him not trusting God, but he no longer reflected God's image. But he began to mirror the serpent's words when, when he started to say things like, did God really say that? After he heard the serpent say it, right? And Eve said the same thing. And so there are things that accompany this, this exchange of our soul when, when we uh, reflect something else. And Roman, I'll fly through it, but Romans 1, 1 has it. Romans chapter 1 has it, rather. It says that, you know, in verse 8, or 18, rather, the truth becomes suppressed. They become fools. They exchange God's glory for things that are, that are base. They serve the creature, right? Means, means we worship humans instead of the Creator. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. They exchange God's template for sexuality for their own. They exchange God's glory for all manner of wickedness. And this is, this is just kind of a snapshot of Romans 1. It's a heavy-duty scripture. So but let, let me just make a point here. God doesn't just cherry-pick sins and doesn't say, well, you know, if you're, if you're uh, committing a sexual sin, whether it's you know, how, how, you, how you look at sexuality, and, um, 
God doesn't just cherry pick this the way churches sometimes do, and and they say, well, if you're like this, then you can't come here. No, all all sin is sin, and that's why we find in in Romans one, you know, God keeps t- showing how how the how creation becomes uh, like something else other than its creator when we when we fall, right? And and it, and so so Romans uh, one twenty nine says they were filled with every kind of envy. Or, or rather, every kind of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, rebellious towards parents, foolish, fatherless, heartless, ruthless. And so, so what I'm saying is, when we become warped because, because we worship something else, this is what happens. And so... An exchange is made, but something else happens in in idolatry. Uh, something else happens when we begin to become what we worship, and that is this. Here's the second point: we impart life to the idol that we worship. In other words, Isaiah six five says it, and and I'll just maybe I'll just give it to you here because I have it. I like to give you a lot of scriptures and a lot of points so that if you want to make a note or remember it, you know, you might forget what I said, but maybe you remember what I showed you in the scripture. But Isaiah says this, Woe is me, I am lost, and for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And this, this is Isaiah encountering God for the first time. And he's blown away. He's like, I realize how, how other than you I am, how different than you I am. And he goes on to say, and I'll just read verse 7, The seraph touched my mouth with, with it, meaning the, the, uh, the coal, the hot coal, and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed from your sin. And this is an interesting thing here, that some Old Testament scholars believe that when Isaiah spoke of his unclean lips, he was pointing to a ritual performed by idolaters of that time. That was called the washing of the mouth, and that's where an idol was taken down to the river just when it was finished, and they would they would wash the mouth seven times. They would wash its mouth seven times, and the cleansing rite enabled the mouth of the image to be opened, and to become the conduit uh, through which the god spoke at that time. So talk about creepy, and the living essence of the deity would then be transferred to to this idol, so that so that its mouth spoke, and so. This is what I'm saying. This is what I mean, rather, when I say that we impart life to that which we, we, we worship. We, we give it a voice in our life. We give it words in our life. And, uh, and we give it the glory that solely belongs to God. When we give things excessive importance, when we give things majesty, and when we, when we worship things, you know, we worship heroes, right? We worship leaders. We worship stars and athletes and poets and professionals and Bible teachers and theologians. We worship them. That's idolatry. Uh, but yet there's a, there's a third component I want to give you as to how, how you know that maybe you're becoming what you worship, and that is this. We become shaped by what we shape. In other words, think about it this way. I, I, idolaters created idols, and then they worshiped the idols. This is how it worked, Right? So Isaiah 44, uh, 13, again, puts it this way. And I had it there, and I, I, I took it away. Sorry about that. Uh, it says, The carpenter stretches a line and marks it out with, with a stylus and fashions it with planes and marks it with 
a compass. He makes it in human form with human beauty to be set up in a shrine. And then verse 17 says, he bows down to it and worships it and he prays to it and says, save me for you are my God. And what is the irony in this? If you read the whole context of, of, of what he's saying there is, think about this guys, you're the carpenter, you made this idol with your hands, you fashioned it and you, you planned it and drew it out, and now you bow down and worship it. How dumb is that? You made it and now you worship it. First they make the idol, right? Now the idol makes them. First they shape something, but now it shapes them because it shapes their beliefs. And the one creating has all the power at first. They cut down the tree and they smooth it out and they build it. But then once they bow down to it, that thing has power over them. This is what I'm saying, that, that our strong beliefs and the things that we're committed to can really shape our lives. And we can create things that end up controlling us. A thing that we made, it could be a toxic relationship. It could be a habit, a pursuit. It could be a business. Uh, these things can shape us eventually. It could be a sport or something we enjoy that, it, that is innocent in itself until it becomes an idol. So, but here, here's a, 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 another reason, and I'm losing where I am in my notes here, but there, there, there's a fourth one I want to give you that kind of uh, gives us, uh, you know, um, perspective as to, as to what creates idolatry. And some of this sounds maybe a little bit redundant to you, but it's I, I, I want to nail this home to you guys. But number four is we resemble the idols we create. In other words, we, we, we emulate them. We look like them. And how does this happen? It happens this way. Uh, it, it has been called spiritual organ malfunction by, by G.K. Beale. And in Ezekiel 12, 2, it says, Mortal, you are living in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see, but do not see, who have ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. And what's he talking about there? He's talking about spirit, what he calls spiritual organ malfunction. And uh, Psalms 130, uh, 135 and 15 puts it this way. It says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes and they do not see, they have ears, but they do not hear. And there is no breath in their mouths. Those who make them and all who trust them shall become like them. And let me just pull that up for you so you have it. And here it is right here, right there. So, just so you can see it. But what's my point today? A mark of idolatry is spiritual denseness. The, the inability to perceive and discern what is true. When idolatry is in our lives, we, we can no longer hear God's voice speaking. Uh, just as idols can't see or speak, we become just like that. And we can't really see visions the way God wants us to see visions or dream dreams with clarity. Uh, we can't declare God's word with authority because we become spiritually dense because of idolatry in the life. And we can't speak up in prophetic voice because of idolatry in the life. So, so I said all that to say this, and, and we're going to bring this in for a landing here in, in a second here, but why are we called to become like Jesus, right? I'm going to bring this back to Jesus. Only Jesus can deliver you and I from the spiritual organ malfunction that happens from idolatry and from resembling something that is woefully below us. 
We find that five times in the Gospels, Jesus said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Five times. And then we find seven times in the book of Revelation, right? And, and I, I didn't give the scriptures, but trust me, they're there. Well, I give you some of them, I think. Yep, there they are. So seven times in Revelation, it says, the one who has an ear had better hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So what is God saying there? He, he's calling us out of our idolatry. He's calling us out of our spiritual denseness that has been caused by idolatry because we have become like what we worship. And God has called us in, in this day and age, if you're a Christian and you're watching this, he's called us. And, and Paul said this beautifully in Colossians 3.10. He talks about that what, what Jesus did. He says, And have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of its creator. So in, in, in salvation, God restores that image that looks to him, the new self, because the old self is very dangerous and, and very uh, woefully inefficient. Uh, it, it, cannot, it cannot relate to God, the old self. That's why it has to die. So Jesus today is calling people out of their deaf and blind and mute condition that is caused by idolatry, and he's, call, he's calling us to new life, basically. So if, if you have idolatry in your life, I want to challenge you to, to look to the Lord, look to Him, and say, Lord, clothe me, clothe me with, with your image, as I look to you, Jesus, because Jesus, Jesus is the image of God in the, in the New Testament. He's the image of God that we're to look to, to have our image restored as, as the children of God. So if you like this podcast, leave a like and recommend it to a friend and check out soulzero2.com. So glad to be with you today. Thank you so much. God bless you.